<clears throat> you know, I read about these guys, uh, the old-time preachers, and th- this is when men were men. Uh, J- John Wesley preached more sermons in a year than I'll preach in my lifetime. I mean, it's staggering the amount of speaking that he did. And he did it while riding on a horse. I mean, there's, sta- there's all kinds of stuff up in Savannah. Uh, he was all over Georgia, South Carolina, all over England. And I got my picture taken with him, a statue of him. He's only about that tall, which makes me feel really good. I, I love I love when I run into short preachers. But Wesley w- would just ride his horse and he would he would study. He would read his books while he was riding on a horse. He would write his sermons while he was riding on a book, riding on a horse. Think about that. And then whenever there'd be a group of people, he'd just stop and preach. And other people would come and he would preach. And I'm like, how in the world? Literally, he preached like 60,000 sermons in his lifetime. But I could never figure out how he did it, how he covered all that ground. And I recently found out, Jim, you like this. I don't know anything about horses, so don't hold me accountable. But what is this called, a stirrup? Yeah. Apparently, they would put a lantern right here at night. <clears throat> so he could ride at night and continue to study. And it was the first satellite navigation. <laughs> Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. But... All right, so last week, as we were working through Genesis, we were uh, we discussed the story about Jacob and Esau, how Jacob had escaped from Laban, his uncle, uh, but then when he crossed the river, he crossed the Jordan River, he's back in Jordan, now he's got to deal with his brother Esau, and they sent a note to him and said, hey dude, Esau's coming with 400 of his men. Jacob assumes he's going to die, and then what I did is I skipped a whole section to tell you how it ended. And how it ends is Esau comes, makes peace with his brother, said, dude, the past is in the past. Let's forgive and let it go and let's get on with our lives. God has blessed both of us. Let's move on. But what I left out was a very key section because this is a separate piece by itself. And that is what Jacob did the night before he and Esau met. Now, if you thought you were going to die tomorrow morning, would you think you'd learn how to pray? I think you would. And you wouldn't worry about, gosh, I wonder if I can pray the right way. Uh, I got to say the words the way Joe says them or the way Cord says them or the way Cliff says them. Or I, I, I got to look right. I got to sound right. No, if you're going to die tomorrow, you're just going to talk to God. You know how I know that? Been there. Been there. When they told me 14 years ago that I had leukemia. I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray instantly. 14 years later, I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus. All right. But that, that moment, I went into my bedroom and I confessed things that I didn't know from when I was two years old. I didn't worry about any language. I didn't worry about any flowery words. I didn't need a prayer book. It was just me and God, my soul crying out to God. Maybe you've been there with grief, a divorce, a tragic knock at the door. I was in another situation in Egypt. First time I went to Egypt, they put take us to this city. Never been to it since for a very good reason. They said, welcome to the place where Satan lives. I'm like, oh. 
Thanks. And they said, but you're fine because they have armed guards in the lobby. Okay. So I'm on the third floor and there's a set of stairs. So I call out my door and I walk up those stairs and I'm on the roof. So a terrorist could just walk across from one roof to the other right downstairs into my door and never have to bother those gunmen down in the lobby. Let me tell you what our team did that night. There was five of us. We prayed. We prayed for our souls. We prayed for our families. Prayed to God to take care of my wife and my little kids. Because we were pretty sure that was it. Now it was dark. It was an evil spirit. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But my point is, when you are in those dark moments, you don't need help praying. And it's Satan's greatest ploy for you and me not to pray by convincing us that we don't know how to pray. Instead of just talking to God. When Jonah's inside the fish, you think Jonah's looking for a prayer manual? When Peter, Matthew 14, when Peter's walking on the water... And he starts to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. You think Peter's going, somebody help me. Somebody got a prayer? You know what his prayer was? Help! Quit thinking you got to have the right words, the right position, the right posture. Just talk to God. Get alone and talk to God. So that's what this story's about. So Jacob believes that tomorrow morning he's going to die. His brother's going to kill him. Here's where we pick up the story. Stand with me out of respect for the word of God. So that night, Jacob got up. He took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now, I've been on the Jabbok River in northern Jordan, and um, you can just walk right across it. Uh, Parts of it are a little wider than others. It was obviously wide enough at this point to protect his family, but it's just a tiny little stream, as the next sentence reminds us. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. (coughs) So Jacob was left alone, (coughs) and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. When the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But God replied, why would you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel. It is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip. Because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. You can be seated. All right. Now, there's so many questions I cannot answer and don't have time to answer. uh, But we're going to get right to the core of it. So when you and I are praying, the one thing that is implied is that it takes time and it takes contact. You do not need 
detailed plans or a book or help. It takes time and contact with God. So Jacob is alone. He sent his, his women, two wives, two, uh, two other women that are not as wise, but lots of kids, 11 boys, about to, ha- he'll have a 12th one before the story's over. He sends them all over for their protection. And where is Jacob? He's alone. And that's when God shows up. Not in the crowd. When Jacob got alone with, that's when God showed up. Now Jacob's had encounters with God before. We've been, we've been through that. But, Jacob begins to physically wrestle with God. Now, certainly we know that if God does not want to be engaged, God would not be here. Okay, and and the point is, when God touched Jacob's hip, all he did was reach out and touch his hip, and Jacob's going to limp for the rest of his life. So, God is only in this wrestling match because God chooses to be. Because God wants to have this kind of a relationship with us. That's what God's plan. And Jacob stays in the fight. All night long, God says, enough, let me go. Again, God could have just left. God could have killed Jacob. God could have done whatever he wanted. But God stays there because Jacob wants him to be there. And he stays in this battle. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You think Jacob knows who he's wrestling with? I will not let you go until you bless me. He held on. Now, so often we pray once, twice, and then we give up. But the truth is, we, who knows? It may not be in our lifetime. We, we just finished up Friday and Saturday. We're starting this huge new ministry. If you were here for the grandparents event, uh, you know what a great ministry this is going to be. Uh, it was to teach grandparents how to be grandparents and how to be Christian grandparents and how to impact your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And when we were talking about that idea, I thought, I wonder who was praying for me three generations ago. People that didn't even know who I was or that I would be here. And yet somebody was praying that my family would come to know Jesus. Somebody was praying that God would raise up people out of his family that they would come to know Jesus. And that's the kind of prayers that we pray. And that's what Jacob is praying in this context. And if I could only get you and me, I'm not picking on you, if I could get you and me to understand how God feels about us. Now listen, it is an unconditional love, but with expectations. All right. Our culture today says, oh, God just loves you. You can live your life. You can sin. You can do whatever you want. No. When you accept Jesus, it comes with the idea of repentance and commitment to turn around and follow God. Yes? You don't get to just do whatever you want. That's not, that's not what it means. But if you and I only knew how big the grace of God is and how much he loves us, the big rising star in Major League Baseball right now, his name is, is Ellie Dela Cruz. Here's his picture. He's in Cincinnati. Just two years ago, he was playing here in Daytona. And uh, the kid's a phenom. He's playing great ball. And, and obviously, the chant's not hard to figure out. Ellie, Ellie. Well, his second game in the majors in Cincinnati, there was a little five-year-old girl who was recovering from cancer treatments. And she was in the crowd, and her name was Ellie. And every time he came to bat, and every time he made a play in the field, 40,000 people chanted her name. All she heard was 
Ellie, Ellie. And this five, five-year-old little girl is like, this is all for me. Do you understand that's how God feels? Why else would he have sent Jesus? Would he have sent Jesus to endure all that he endured if God wasn't cheering for us? If God didn't want us to be saved? Look, I don't know where you're at. If you've not accepted Jesus, come down front afterwards. We've got people down here that will help you if you've not been baptized yet. If you're in the land and you need to accept Christ to be baptized, man, you got Ryan right there. You hit the button if you're online. I've decided. We have a room out here called Guidance Point, right out the door to the right uh, in room three where you can get more, you can get more help, more prayers. But listen, why would you go home and walk away from a God who's chanting your name? A God who loves you that much. Revelation 2.13 talks about where Satan does live. He says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to me. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, when things were at their worst, when the persecution was there, when it was hard to be a Christian because nobody believed in what you believed in. My faithful witness who was put to death, Antipas was killed in your city where Satan lives. You ever feel like Satan lives in our world, in our country, maybe on your street, maybe in your house? Am I getting real personal? But you know what? We live in a very evil world. And this is why it's so important that we hold on tightly to God in this relationship. And I don't usually call out politicians by name, but I shall. Uh, Cori Bush, congressman from Missouri, said this week, I'm just quoting her. She said, an abortion is no different than taking a Tylenol. Now the problem is, people will believe that. Now, Corey, let me explain something to you. Nobody dies when you take a Tylenol. But a baby dies every time there's an abortion. This is the crazy stuff that's going on in our culture. And people say it, and then everybody goes, oh, see, we've just overreacted. And the church goes and hides somewhere. No, hold on tightly to Jesus because the world has lost its mind. And let me explain this to you, what's going on. Because I talk to people all the time. I'm sure a lot of you do too. But we talk about Jesus. We talk about the church. And people, this is their line. Well, I don't go to church and I don't do any of that stuff. But I'm very spiritual. I'm like, great, you're a witch. At least now... At least I know what I'm dealing with, okay? Now, let me, let me explain this to you. Because when people say, okay, higher power, or they're talking about, you know, spiritual things, or, or crystals, or it, it's all one thing, okay? It, it's 6,000 years old, and it's the worship of Baal, B-A-A-L, or Baal, okay? Let me explain to you what Baal, Baal worship. It's always been about for 6,000 years. Build statues of this ugly looking idol with horns on it. Almost looks like maybe it's Satan. And the two things that were consistent in Baal worship, regardless of what country it is, it's always child sacrifice, unborn or born, and it's always perverted sex. Homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, Orgies, transgenderism, it all goes together with Baal worship. Now, to see churches saying that it's okay that you can live like that and be a follower of Christ, that's why you need to hold on tightly and you need to know the name. 
Because if you don't know the name of the God you're praying to, you're in big trouble. Because there's only one name. Philippians 2.9 says very clearly, we got that one. There it is. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You need to know who you're praying to. Now it's interesting, in the story, what happens here? In the story, God asks Jacob what his name is. Do you think that God knew Jacob's name? Come on. I think so. But what does Jacob mean? I've told you six weeks in a row. Deceiver. And God said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. So here's how this may be played out. So he gets asked, God asked him his name, and he's got to say, my name is Deceiver. Maybe with his head hung low. And God said, no, now you will be called Israel, which means God overcomes. Interesting that he didn't say Jacob is overcome. He said, you have wrestled with man and God, and God has overcome. So when you see people fighting against Israel today, if they only knew what the name meant, God overcomes, you're not going to beat them. Sorry, Israel will be there when the rest of us are gone, but people aren't so quick to figure this out. Now, Satan has some great lies. Leonard Ravenhill says the two biggest ones are this. He said, the one lie is that you are too good and you are so good that you don't need Jesus. You don't need a savior. You're just one of the most magnificent people ever to walk the earth. And the other is that you're too bad and that Jesus could never love you. And Ravenhill said, both of those are lies from Satan himself. All from John chapter 8, where it says Satan is a liar. You think you're too good, you don't need Jesus? You think you're too bad that you don't need Jesus? You don't have any idea how big God's grace is and what it cost Jesus on the cross for all of our sin. So hold on tightly and make sure you get the name right, because it matters whether you're praying to Vishnu or Muhammad or Allah. Not the same God. I don't care what the world tells you. The name is Jesus. And you better make sure who you're connected with. And then when Jacob flips the script and Jacob says, well, what's your name? I love it. Why would you even ask my name? You know who I am. Now, there's other examples where people said, what's your name? He said, wonderful. One case, he said, it's too wonderful for you. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Moses asked, he said, I am. It means to be. I'm a verb. I'm action. I am everything. I am all that you will ever need. But he just tells Jacob, why would you even ask? Why would you ask me to bless you if you didn't know who I was? No names necessary. And then we get... Till the last part of the story. We've decided we need to hold on. We need to keep talking. We need to keep praying. We need to keep listening. May go beyond our generation. We need to make sure we get his name. But then we need to accept, pay attention, accept the limp. So for the rest of Jacob's life, 
probably much slower. I'm guessing he's got a cane. I don't know which side. The rabbis probably would tell you which side it was. For the rest of his life, every single step Jacob took, he remembered this night. He remembered the night that he and God spent all night together. He remembered the night that God changed his name from deceiver to God will overcome. He remembered the night that he was connected to God. He heard the voice of God. He never forgot that moment because God left him a reminder. Now, let's think about what's going on today in what's called the new apostolic revolution. Be very afraid of that term. Okay? Because... God wants you to have a Rolls Royce and a Rolex. Apparently nobody told Jacob that. Because what Jacob got was a limp from spending time with God. What Paul got for spending time with God was beheaded. What Peter got for spending time and being faithful to God was being crucified upside down. What Jesus got for being faithful to God was taking the sins of the whole world, every thought, every deed, every action, every evil thing that's ever happened, onto himself. And we got preachers running around. We got we got both. We got some of them promoting Baal, and we got the other group promoting this idea that if you're really following God, you'll have all this. What you really get when you spend time with God is you get a limp. You know how I know a lot of you understand that? Because these jars are full of sand. These jars are full of all of our limps, all of our hurts, all of our despair, all of the brokenness that God's brought us through. So don't fall for this lie that everything's supposed to be perfect and you'll be healed and spiritually everything's perfect and you'll have all this. Whoever said that? That's all made up. That's all from Satan. In fact, you want, you want me to tell you? Go back to Matthew 4. Have I got time? I got time. You go back to Matthew 4 or Luke 4. Satan took Jesus up on top of the temple. Remember the story, the temptations of Jesus? And he said, Jesus, look at the kingdoms of the world. I'll give it all to you if you'll just serve me. You can have the Rolls Royce and the Rolex and whatever else. Jesus said, it'll all be yours if the price is right. And Jesus said, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, you shall serve the Lord only. So you need to know when you're dealing with false teaching, you need to be aware of what is out there. What do I get from spending time with God? Do I get a Rolls Royce? No, you get a limp. And you embrace that limp because there's so many other people that you need to pick up and help them limp along. And we'll limp each other to the finish line. Now, I was talking to Larry, the one who did the grandparent seminar, flew in from Riverside, California. And he said, you know, we have great churches all over the L.A. basin. But he said, obviously, the darkest place in all of California is Hollywood. He said, now, there's a few Christians, but they have to get out of Hollywood to go to church. There are no churches. There's nothing in Hollywood. That should tell you a whole lot. But Schwarzenegger made this statement recently. He said... He said, heaven is just a made-up fairy tale that you people are hanging on to. Okay. Now, I, you, you may like Schwarzenegger as a governor, an actor. I don't know. Maybe you don't. I don't care. Um, 
But I'm just curious where Schwarzenegger gets all of his information. But people will listen to this baloney. My friends, Jesus made it very clear. There is a heaven and there is a hell. You'll be with God forever or you'll be cut off and suffer for all of eternity. I didn't write that. I'm just telling you what it says. And you and I get to choose and there's only one name. His name is Jesus and you need to stay in contact with him. Did I cover it? So, Father, right now, I ask that your spirit would go to work. I don't know who needs to uh, start praying and quit worrying about words. I don't know who needs to just hold on, not give up, just stay at it. I don't know who's been told that their limp is from Satan. Instead of accepting the fact that maybe this limp is from God. And instead of saying, why me? I need to say, God, what do you want to do with this limp? I know there are people listening, watching, here, that need to accept you. May this be the day of salvation. Some need to be baptized. Others need to come back to you. Some need to walk away from witchcraft and Baal worship and actually embrace the name of Jesus. So, Father, hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.